The idea of posting and relying on customer reviews comes from the fifth law of trust. The trust is transferable. If you trust one person who trusts another person, you may trust that other person too. Maybe not to the same extent. The Better Business Bureau, or BBB, as well as Amazon, Google, and many other companies use these kinds of reviews. Before you buy almost anything, before you download a song, go to a movie, or book a hotel room, you check reviews. You buy only if you see positive reviews, and if you see negative reviews, you don't buy. But is that trust justified? Should you trust people that you don't know? In this episode, I will share some of the dangers with relying on customer reviews, but I will also discuss other aspects of it as well as give you ideas on how to know if you can trust reviews and how to increase the reliability of those reviews. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? When you were a child, did your parents ever tell you to never enter a car with a stranger? I bet they did. I know that my parents did. And do you? Well, and before you answer it, don't, don't jump into answering. Just keep in mind one word. Uber. Yes, you do. And I do too. We enter cars with strangers. But the reason we do is because we use the fifth law of trust. And that's that trust is transferable. If I trust one person, let's say John, and John trusts another person, let's say Tracy, I may trust Tracy. When John tells me, look, you can trust Tracy, I will. Not to the same extent that I trust John and not to the same extent that John probably trusts Tracy, but it's more than nothing. And in this world today, when you are not sure about things and you you get cheated by fake products and fake services and and you lost money to to things like that and odds are that you did in in one way shape or form or to one amount or another uh, we have to rely on these reviews and so when you enter a car with an uber driver an uber car with a driver you really trust uber as a company to have done their work in screening that driver you trust 973 riders that rode that car with that driver and gave that driver a five-star review. So you trust other people and you trust them to give you those reviews. This is why these reviews are so important to us. Without it, you have no idea if what you're buying or the service you're taking is any good or they're just trying to take your money or any other valuable. I wrote about this uh, in uh, the Book of Trust. Uh, In 2018, an employee of the skincare company, skincare product company, uh, Sunday Riley, leaked an email that they had received. 
And in that email, they were asked, employees were asked to post positive reviews of the company's products. Now, those are employees that not necessarily have used the products. They were asked to post fake reviews. And here are a few parts from that email. It it said, don't use the VPN, the company's VPN, because that will be tracked to our own IP address. And we don't want anybody to see that all the reviews are coming from the same IP address. They were asked to open new email accounts on Gmail, on Yahoo, and any other place so that it doesn't look like it's coming from an employee of the company. They were asked to use those accounts periodically so that it doesn't look suspicious. They were actually asked to leave a few reviews for products not made by the company, other products, just so that they will gain more credibility, if if you will. And of course, the, the funny thing was one of the statements in that email that was bold and underlined said, credibility is key to the reviews. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you're asking your employees to post fake reviews and what you say is credibility is key to the reviews. Well, I'll tell you something. When I do my workshops, one of the statements I make is it's a warning and and it's not I'm not warning you against something that might happen to you I'm warning you against doing something and that is to not use what I teach you do not use those six components of trustworthiness to create fake trustworthiness do not use it to force other people to make other people trust you even when you cannot be trusted I teach those six components so that you will know what will make you trusted in reality. Because if you're faking it, at some point, somebody's going to pick up. There is another scheme that that, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. I received a package with a product from Amazon, a product that I never ordered. And I thought that was kind of weird because, you know, why would... And it had my address, my name and address. It wasn't that that I got it by mistake. And as I started digging into that, I found that there's actually a name for this. It's called a brushing scheme. And what the brushing scheme does is that the seller buys their own product. Now, they know that in order to get people to buy, it needs to rank high on Amazon. Amazon has their own algorithm. And part of the algorithm on ranking products, when somebody is searching for something, is based on the number of reviews that they got and how positive those reviews are. So what they do is they buy their own products. They ship it to people whose all they need to know about you is the name and the address. I think they might need to know the telephone number, but I'm not even sure about that. They need to know your name and address, and then they ship a product. They buy their own product. They ship it to you, and then they post a review in your name, and Amazon uh, identifies them as verified buyers because actually they don't identify them. They identify you. They identify me as a verified buyer of that product. And they post a review in my name, which is not good. Not even for me. There's so many fake accounts these days. I just picked up one statistic uh, about Facebook. Uh, you, you know that sometimes you get, and it happens more and more often, you get a friend request from someone who's fake. And, and initially, you may not know that this person is fake 
until they start asking you for things and you go, why is this person asking for those things? And that's because it's a fake account. It's not real. They take real names. They take real pictures, which are not hard to get from somebody's account. Facebook removed in 2020 1.3 billion fake accounts. 1.3 billion fake accounts. And if you think that's high, in 2021, by the third quarter, they already removed 1.8 billion accounts, which, if I remember correctly, represents about 11% of the number of accounts that Facebook has. So one in nine accounts is fake on Facebook, and they're doing their best to remove it. So can you trust it? Let's talk about uh, one of my other pet peeves, uh, the best-selling author. I'm going to call it a scam, okay? And and it's not all best-selling authors are, are scammers or, or anything, but Amazon has a... The process to become a best-selling author on Amazon, and I'll talk more about that. I'll probably dedicate a whole episode just to talk about this. But um, they rank your books high based on how many people bought it and the reviews that, uh, that you got for it. Well, here's what you do. And again, I'm telling you this, not so that you'll start doing it. Because I have very little respect for people who do that. And I'll, I'll tell you how you find this out. But, but that's when I do an episode. All you do is you take your book, you publish it on Kindle. Because on Kindle, you can lower the price to 99 cents. Then you ask three of your best friends to buy that book in the same hour. Maybe 10 of your uh, best friends. By the way, before you do that, you have to categorize your book in a category that has absolutely nothing to do with the content of your book in reality. Like, I don't know, The Sex Life of Cats. You post it there. You, you, you categorize the book over there because in that category, being number one requires not as many as number one in entrepreneurship, for example, the entrepreneurship category. So now, because your three to ten friends bought that book in that um, obscure category for 99 cents instead of uh, you know 14.99 whatever your real price is for that book because they bought it in the same hour that book jumped up to number 1 they captured it no oh, by the way when it made number 1 it actually made number 1 in Lithuania which makes you an international best selling author let me ask you do you trust those reviews do you trust what amazon said somebody is a best selling author i know that i don't so with all those things happening, this is why being able to know if you can trust those reviews or not is so important. But, but before I jump to talk about uh, how you tell if this is a valid review or not, I want to start with bad reviews. You know, we, we talked about, and I talked about up until now, about positive reviews. You get good reviews. Can you trust them enough for you to buy? Because obviously, you're not going to buy if it has a lot of bad reviews, right? Well, I always start with the bad reviews. I start reading the bad reviews. And let, let me explain why before, before I go into the details. When I talked about positivity, the component of positivity and trustworthiness, I mentioned some research that was done by multiple people that really leads to one conclusion, and that's that bad is much stronger than good. We are 
influenced a lot more by bad than we are by good. Bad determines what we're going to do as as protection uh, more than good does. We are pushing away from bad more than we're pulling towards the good. Okay, enough conjecture. Let let me give you examples. The Better Business Bureau. This is uh, an organization dedicated to help you determine whether a business you're going to work with is good or bad. And the Better Business Bureau, I picked up four companies from their website based on customer reviews. All four companies have lower than two stars out of five when one is the minimum. You can't give a zero. One is the minimum, five is the top. Here are four companies that have less than two. Amazon, Google, Apple, Southwest Airlines. And I'm sure that if I looked further, I could find more and more uh, companies. Companies that we trust, companies that have good products and good services. Why do they rank so low? I mean, in some cases, those are not just less than two, they're less than 1.5 stars. The reason is, once again, because we are much more likely to post a negative review if we had a negative experience than to post a positive review if we had a positive experience. Some would say that the number, the ratio is 2.9013. And if you look up that number uh, on Google, you're going to find something that's called the critical positivity ratio or the Losada ratio. And yes, that number has been challenged by other researchers later. But whether it's 2.9013 or 3 or any other number, we are more likely to post negative reviews if we had negative experiences. So I look at the negative reviews before I buy something first. Don't you do the same thing? Uh, And, you know, you don't have to admit it to me, but when we look at the negative reviews, and we look at it for several reasons, uh, the positive reviews, yeah, they're going to say everything is great, but, you know, we're already suspecting them as being fake. So I want to see what the negative reviews really are. Uh, First, they're always going to be haters. There are always going to be people who just don't like this product. They don't like the company. There is no reason. And if I'm going to read a review, and I'll talk about how you know if a review is is valid or not by, by reading the text. But if I read the text and I see that this is just text that says this is a terrible company. I don't like them and, and I don't know what they do. And I'm going to go, okay, I can ignore that. That's not a reason for me not to buy the product. But... When I do read a negative review and it has something, a reason that really does worry me, I may decide not to buy it, even though the majority of the reviews are positive. Maybe because I don't trust the positive reviews as much because of all those fake reviews I talked about. And maybe it's because I'm driven more by bad than by good when making decisions. But sometimes... Those negative reviews are simply because we're different people. The reviewer and myself were different people. I remember when I decided I'm going to buy the Jeep Wrangler, and this is after years of BMWs. I decided I'm, I'm, I want to get a Jeep Wrangler. Not that I go off-road that much, but uh, I love the Jeep. This is by far, of all the cars I ever owned, I love the Jeep Wrangler more than any other. And so I remember watching uh, a video when I was on the treadmill, watching a video about Jeep. 
and uh, specifically Jeep Wrangler. And the title of that video was Jeep Wrangler, Worst Daily Ride Ever. So, you know, the start with just the title of that video, immediately I was drawn to, I have to watch this video. I have to see why this is the worst daily ride ever. So it starts with saying that the steering wheel is not telescopic. And because it's not telescopic, unless you're over, I think, five foot seven, uh, you're not going to reach the pedals uh, very well as much as you do the steering wheel. So th there are issues, but I'm six one, So that does not apply to me. So it's a good negative review that just doesn't apply to me. Then they said, uh, Jeep Wrangler, the ride is very rough and it is very noisy. I mean, definitely compared to a BMW, I can tell you that, but it's very rough and very noisy. Noisy. But those are exactly the reasons why you do buy a Jeep Wrangler. Because it is rough, because it is noisy. And so I looked at the negative review, and when I looked at the negative review, I found that the reasons for that negative review are reasons that just don't apply to me. Remember that, that there is the component of personality compatibility. It's just that we did not, the reviewer and myself, did not see things the same way. And so the things that bothered them did not bother me. And so I'm, I'm happy that I did read that bad review because it was a bad review that wasn't applicable to me. In some cases, you're going to see a bad review that uh, you're going to go, well, I'm not going to use the product in this way, so I don't have to worry about that specific complaint. You know, again, uh, uh, when I teach, I, I look at the, uh, uh, in, in college, I, I look at the reviews that I get. Uh, there are reviews that the students post through the university, and then there are reviews that they post on a website called ratemyprofessors.com. And I look at them, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to brag here, but I have very high reviews. I think on Rate My Professors, I have like 25, 26, something like that positive, not positive, five out of five star reviews, but I have three that are one out of five. And again, there is no zero. One is, is the minimum. So there are three people who gave me a one. Now, are those bad, bad students? No, they're not. I can tell you that they got high grades because I typically give high grades. They just, what they saw in me teaching, they didn't like. Does it make them bad? Does it make me bad? We're just not, we're just incompatible. Our personalities are incompatible. And that's fine. You know, when after I do a workshop or, or a keynote, I ask for feedback and I get the feedback and I get very positive feedback, but there's one or two, three people that would just say, no, I didn't like it. This was, I did not like the delivery. I did not like the content. The content is not good for me. Does that mean that uh, that I was all bad? No, I was for those people. So I do look for bad reviews. I would encourage you to look for bad reviews before you buy something or, or get a service. The only thing is I have easier time looking at reviews when I see the text. And I'll talk about that in the next uh, segment. When I see the text and I can see if this is relevant or irrelevant to me. I explained why reviews are important. How do they work? I explained uh, how they get abused. 
by fake reviews. And I explained uh, the issue of bad reviews and how should you look at bad reviews. But I promised you at the beginning, the introduction for this episode, I promised you that I'll tell you how you can tell if you can trust reviews. So here it is, last segment. It really boils down to two parts, quantity and quality. I typically don't buy something that has very low quantity, very small number of reviews. The reason is because faking 10 reviews is not that hard. So if this product has 10 reviews, they could all be fake. When the product has 10,000 reviews, faking 10,000 reviews is a much, much harder proposition. It's much harder to do. So I look at the the reviews and, and I start by looking at the quantity because I know the higher the quantity is, the harder it is to fake it or the lower the percentage of possible fake reviews is. So that's first, that's quantity. Now let's talk about quality. Most reviews in most cases are anonymous. They're a pure not only that they're anonymous, but they're a pure star rating review. That's it. So it's a one star, two, three, four, or five stars, and that's it. There's nothing beyond that. That's a little hard to rely on. So maybe there are thousands of these kinds of reviews, uh, rating reviews only, but they're hard to rely on because you don't know anything. You, you don't know why they were reviewed the way they were and if this was by a specific person. Now comes the higher level, and that's when the platform itself, and I'll talk about the platform, when the platform says this is a verified purchase. So when Uber says this review is from someone who actually drove or rode the car with this driver, and they have a way to verify it because of the interaction itself. It's all happening on their platform. It's when Amazon says, this review is from a verified buyer as opposed to just anyone uh, who posted that review. A higher level is people who actually leave their names and maybe even a higher level contact information, like email address. So, you know, I, I read a lot of articles and when I want to post something, they ask me for my name. They ask, actually ask me to log in. So it's kind of a level of verification and I need to put my name. Well, some people will go with, with some kind of an alias that just doesn't make sense and you don't know who they are. If you look at my reviews, reviews that I post, you'll see my name, Yoram Solomon. This is it. Now, you may not know me and I'm sure that there is at least one more Yoram Solomon among the more than 7 billion people on this planet, but you have my name. It's it's a step up. So when I look at reviews and I see names, can they be fake? Yes, but let's let's at least agree that it's one small step beyond just faking a review with a name that doesn't make any sense. Obviously, uh a higher level would be someone that I actually know. And for example, when somebody reaches out to me on Facebook and wants to be a friend, I look at who do we have in common? And then I look at the people we have in common and I ask myself, you know, of the, uh, I don't know, three, 4,000 people that I have following uh, me on Facebook or 
six, 7,000 on LinkedIn. I don't know all of them. I don't know all of them personally, so I, I wouldn't be able to tell from the name, but some of them, I know some of them I know very well. And so I look, is there somebody that I know personally, I know very well? And by the way, can I reach out to them? Uh, then there is another component and, and I mentioned before, and that's trusting the platform, trusting the platform itself. Some companies have the reviews on their own websites. Do you trust that? I don't. I don't. I like looking at it. I can't tell you that my brain can completely disconnect myself from uh, looking at those reviews and, and seeing that they got a 4.7 out of 5. That, that makes it a good review. But I don't trust them as much because the company that owns the platform that puts the reviews has a conflict of interest. They have an interest or they don't have an interest in posting negative reviews. So do I know that they screen them or not? Do I trust them? Well, if, if we go through the entire trustworthiness model, you'll know what would make you trust a company or not. But, uh, you know, a company I'm going to buy from for the first time and they have very positive reviews on their website. I don't trust that. So I look for platforms that I trust, like Amazon, like Google, like, like others, knowing that some of the reviews are going to be fake. And this takes me to the first rule, which is quantity. How many of them, the higher the number of reviews, the lower the probability that, uh, that you're going to get, uh, the, the, the harder it is to put uh, fake reviews. And as I said before, there is another reason why it is better to actually read what somebody said and know that this is somebody you know. I mean, obviously, that's that's even higher because when they put actual text and uh, many companies let you not only put text, but put some media, like put pictures or, or even video, you can actually, first of all, it's, it's a lot harder to, to post as fake review. I mean, imagine how hard could it be to post a fake review where all you do is just use some kind of an alias and put a uh, five-star rating and that's it. It's harder. It takes more resources. It takes more time, more effort, harder to fake when you actually put text, when you actually put photos, when, when you put a video, when you actually speak in that video, it's harder to fake. It makes it more, in my opinion, trustworthy when you see reviews like that. Now, even with text, even when people write text, sometimes I it boggles my mind when I see like five very positive reviews that use almost exactly the same words, especially when they use a word that's not very common, uh, a pretty rare word, and especially when you use it and, and you go like, I know that this is a person who's far from being, from having English as their first language. And not that I have anything against that. It's just that the consistency of those positive reviews actually makes me realize that those are fake or in high likelihood uh, of being fake. But the other part of uh, knowing the person who posted the review is, again, it goes back to the personality compatibility. 
you know, I, I have friends that I love and I trust them with a lot of things, but not in their selection of movies because we don't have the same taste in movies and we don't have the same taste in books. So it's easier to trust someone you know and you know that uh, in the context of the thing that you want to trust them with, you can trust them and your personalities are compatible. I'll wrap this up by just saying I know that this is a very cynical view of the world. But with this rise in in fake accounts, in fake reviews, the increase in risk in, in the consequences of buying something, or of, of getting a service and, and realizing that it was completely fake, and the decline in trust, I have to protect myself. The fifth law of trust, the trust is transferable and how it works through reviews helps if you know how to do it. And hopefully in this episode, I helped you understand why it happens, what are the consequences, and most importantly, in this last segment, how can you tell? What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.